Hi, this is Brent White. Welcome to my sermon podcast. I preached the following message on January 14th, 2018 at Hampton United Methodist Church. This is part two in my sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And I want this sermon to be an encouragement to you. The main point of it is that we often try to make prayer more complicated than it needs to be. And I discuss in this sermon how Jesus makes the opposite point. In a way, prayer is really easy. And I I hope that you'll receive this message and that you will be encouraged to pray more, knowing that the heavy lifting of prayer is being done by someone else. It's being done by the Holy Spirit working through us. Our scripture comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 to 13, which I'm going to read now. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I, I feel like it's, uh, it's important. It's an important message, and I think you'll be blessed by it. So this sermon is called, Prayer is Supposed to be Easy. Prayer is Supposed to be Easy. Now, if I ask for a show of hands from the congregation, if, in fact, you have found prayer to be something that is easy. I'm guessing that many of you would not raise your hands. I don't know that looking over the decades of my life as a Christian, I could raise my hand. I have found prayer most of the time to be difficult. I think that's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem that I have and it's a problem that many of you have. So that's what this, that's why I want to preach this urgent message. I was recently listening to a sermon by one of my favorite preachers whose church is very large and whose sermons are more intellectually demanding than mine. Unlike me, this preacher doesn't seem to care about entertaining his congregation at all. He doesn't really use humor. He doesn't ever tell jokes. He doesn't get a lot of laughs when he preaches. He doesn't try to be relevant. He just reads the scripture and then just dives right in. And his congregation apparently likes that because they keep coming week after week. So I just kind of assumed, rightly or wrongly, that his church must be more advanced in the life of prayer and advanced in Bible study than, well, typical Methodist churches of which I've been a part. I was surprised... When he said, therefore, that his church had recently conducted a survey on prayer, his church, and that how often do you pray was one of the questions. And it turns out that over half 
of this very large church who listened to this pastor's theologically rich sermons week after week. Over half of them said that they do not pray regularly. This pastor said that when he read the results of that survey, he was tempted to resign on the spot. Because had he been, had he been wasting his breath all these years about the power and importance of prayer, his, his theologically rich sermons notwithstanding, why wasn't his message getting through? Why wasn't the message of scripture getting through? Why wasn't the message of Jesus getting through? That prayer is something that we Christians ought to place a a top priority on every day. It ought to be the most important thing that we do every day. Well, I'm sympathetic with this pastor, but as I said, you know, I understand because I have found prayer to be something that's difficult. And I'm sure many of you have as well. It's not always difficult. Prayer is sometimes the easiest and most natural thing imaginable. For example, when we find ourselves in the midst of a crisis, prayer, <laughs> prayer comes very easy. Then I'm reminded uh, of a great uh, 1978 stand-up routine by Richard Pryor in which he's describing his heart attack. And he said that the moment that pain gripped his heart, the first thing he did was to talk to his heart attack, (laughs) to talk to it. And he said, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. And the second thought that he had was to talk to God. And he said to God, God, please don't let this heart attack kill me, please. And then in the voice of the heart attack, he said, why are you talking to God behind my back? (laughs) And then the heart attack made it hurt even worse. I've never had a heart attack, but I'm sure that heart attack prayers come very easily. You know, another time when prayer comes very easily to us. When we believe that the island on which we live is about to be attacked (laughs) with ballistic missiles. Did you happen to see the news yesterday and hear about that alert that went out on people's iPhones in Hawaii? I mean, here was the message that appeared on everyone's smartphone yesterday. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. No, it was not a drill, but it was a false alarm. Don't you know that literally tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of residents of Hawaii were praying yesterday who hadn't prayed in days or weeks or months before yesterday? Why? Because prayer is very easy when you're afraid that you're about to be attacked with ballistic missiles. 
People say, why did the false alarm happen? And I'm sure, as a former engineer, I'm sure that there are all kinds of interesting technological reasons that we could blame it on. But I believe that there's another overarching reason that this this false alarm uh, happened. It was in order for people to turn to God in prayer. In other words, I'm sure that God used this crisis to get people's attention, to wake them up. If it takes the fear of imminent death to get people to turn to God, God will mercifully and graciously use it. It's very gracious on God's part to use the events of yesterday in Hawaii to motivate people to turn to him in faith and to repent of their sins because there is another far larger crisis facing the world. It's called Judgment Day. The problem with that crisis is it'll be too late at that point for us to repent and turn to God and turn to Jesus in faith. Heart attack prayers, ballistic missile threat prayers, personal crisis prayers. These are all good and necessary kinds of prayers. But this is not the kind of praying that Jesus is talking about in today's scripture. He's talking about the kind of praying that he wants us Christians to do every day. And we know that it's supposed to be a daily kind of praying because Jesus says, give us this day, our daily bread. Later in Matthew chapter six, Jesus tells us, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This trouble won't usually rise to the level of ballistic missile threat trouble or heart attack trouble, but there's always enough trouble each day to set aside time for prayer, to be deliberate about prayer. This is what Jesus means when he says in verse six, go into your room and shut the door. You don't have to literally go into a room and shut the door. Jesus's point is to be deliberate. If you can find a place in your home where you can go, that's really good. But be deliberate about setting aside time each day to pray. That's what Jesus means. By all means, you can pray spontaneously throughout the day wherever you happen to be without going anywhere. If you're a student and a teacher is handing out exams, That's a good time to pray. So by all means, pray. If you're a salesperson about to make an important sales call, by all means, pray. If you're looking for a job and you're about to walk into a really important interview, by all means, pray. You don't have to go into a private room. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't even have to close your eyes or bow your heads. Just pray right there silently to yourself. You can pray. God is always listening. He's always ready to hear our prayers. We don't have to go anywhere or do anything. Um, We can do that throughout the day, every day. To have this kind of spontaneous prayer. Likewise, we can also be in a prayerful frame of mind all day. It's sort of like when you call someone and you finish the conversation and you you forget to push the stop, the, the end call button, the red button, you know. 
Um, You just sort of leave the lines of communication open between you and God so that as you need to pray throughout the day, you can. That's a prayerful state of mind. And that is that is great. That's wonderful. If you can accomplish that. That kind of prayer is good. But please notice this is not the kind of prayer Jesus is talking about. Um, Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. She was a, a mother of 11 children. You mothers out there think you've got it tough. How many of you had 11 kids? Actually, she had 19 kids. Eight of them died in infancy, which, of course, was far more common back then. But she raised 11 kids. You can imagine how busy she was. She did not have the luxury of going to a separate room and closing the door and praying by herself because she always had children under her feet for, what would that, like 30 years or something? I mean, if you have 11 kids... Or 19. I mean, she didn't have that that luxury of doing that, but she still had the luxury of praying the way Jesus teaches us to. You know what she did? She had a prayer apron. I'm not making this up. She wore an apron as she cooked and cleaned and did chores around the house. And when she needed to pray, she would take the apron and she would put it over her head. And she taught her 11 children that when the apron was over her head, you do not disturb mommy. And the children would get spanked (laughs) if they did. I mean, this was, you know, moms just they took care of business back then. Um, But the children learned that when the when the apron is over Susanna's head, that is they need to leave her alone because she is doing the most important thing she can do, which is to pray. So she was fulfilling the spirit of Jesus's words, even though she didn't go anywhere to do it. Um, as I said, I have found prayer uh, most of the t- most of my life to be difficult. And you probably have too. M- many of you, most of you. Um, But it seems clear to me that if we take Jesus's words to heart, Jesus is telling us that prayer really shouldn't be so difficult. And he talks about he gives two reasons in today's scripture why prayer shouldn't be something difficult. It should be easy. First, he says in verse eight, your father knows what you need before you ask him. This ought to be a great encouragement to us. Romans 8, 28, Paul tells us, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. No less a saint than Paul himself said, admitted that he does not know how to pray properly, but that's okay. Because God himself, through the Holy Spirit, is praying through Paul's prayers and praying through our prayers. So maybe we're not asking for exactly the right thing or we're not asking in the right way. But that's okay because the Spirit is interceding with the Father 
through our prayers. He'll make sure that our prayers get heard. He'll make sure that we're asking for the right thing. He'll transform our prayers in order to make sure that our Father responds to them. I've I've heard it said that God hears the prayer underneath the prayer. In other words, we have a deep need. We don't quite know what will meet that deep need. We mistakenly think we know sometimes, and so we ask for that thing in our own fumbling, faltering way. But God knows what it will really take to meet that need. So he gives us that instead of the thing that we ask for, because God is far more interested in meeting our needs than he is in giving us what we ask for. This is what Jesus means in verse eight when he says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. I know I've said this before a few times in sermons, but it bears repeating whenever I preach on the subject of prayer. This is something that Pastor Tim Keller is famous for saying. When we pray, God gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything that God knows. When we pray, God gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything that God knows. I think this is a perfectly good summary of verse 8 and Paul's words in Romans 8, 26. But let's be careful to say that God gives us what we would have asked for if we knew what if we knew everything that God knows is not the same as saying God will give us what we would have asked for if only we had bothered asking. Do you see the difference? God does not promise to give us what we ask for or what we would have asked for if we don't ask at all. This this groaning intercessory work of the Holy Spirit that Paul describes, this ability for God to answer the prayer underneath the prayer doesn't happen apart from God's people actually praying. The Apostle James says you do not have because you do not ask. Asking means praying and praying means deliberately speaking words to God. The kind of prayer Jesus is talking about in today's scripture is not a state of mind. It's not an awareness of God's presence. It's not a warm feeling that God is with you throughout the day. That's not prayer. Prayer is actually speaking words. It's verbal communication, either out loud or silently in your mind, or you can write down your prayer, or you can read other people's prayers and make them your own if those prayers express your heart. But these are, these are words from you directed to God, how hard is that? Doesn't that seem incredibly easy when you think about it that way? Let me say something now, which might be controversial, but I think if 
we take it to heart, and I, I believe what I'm about to say is truthful, it's biblical. But I believe if we understand this truth, it will make prayer even easier. Maybe you already know this, but I confess that for decades of living my Christian life, I was confused about this. Are you ready? Prayer is not listening to God. Prayer is not listening. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is one-way communication from us to God. And I'm sure some of you, as you hear me say these words, are resisting them because your experience is the same as mine. You may have been told somewhere along the way in your Christian life that listening is Maybe if not the most important part of prayer, it's at least as important as talking because we are thinking of, well, you know, you listen to, you know, be slow to speak and quick to listen. You know, we apply this to human relationships. So we say, well, this this is like prayer. You know, we need to we need to listen to God. These, these same teachers, by the way, hasten to add that as we listen for God in prayer, God is not going to speak to us in an audible voice. It'll be more like a feeling or an intuition, a tug on our heartstrings. That's how we know God is speaking to us. And if you're not hearing from God in that way when you pray, then you're not praying properly. So for years, when I prayed, I thought that I was supposed to wait until I heard something from God or felt an intuition or or experienced some warm sense of God's presence inside me. And unless or until I did, I hadn't proper I hadn't properly prayed. I got discouraged with prayer. I thought it's not working right. I'm not doing it right. Because most of the time, I did not feel that sense that God was speaking to me. I, uh, I asked on Facebook um, just this morning because I was curious how people would respond. I, I asked where this idea came from that prayer was listening at least as much as it was talking. Where does this idea come from? Because I don't see it in Jesus's teaching. Do you see this in the Lord's prayer? I mean, for heaven's sake, if listening to God is such an important part of prayer, why is there no mention of that in this model prayer that Jesus gives us to follow? It seems to me that if Jesus is telling us to pray in this way, In other words, this is an example of the kind of prayer that we ought to pray. And if we pray in this way, then we have prayed successfully. We have prayed in a way that's consistent with God's will. We have prayed in a way that Jesus teaches us to pray. Then why doesn't Jesus, wouldn't he have mentioned? Oh, by the way, I know that you can pray this Lord's Prayer in about a minute and a half if you pray it slowly. But you should at least spend that much time just sitting still and listening for God to speak. I just I I feel like Jesus would have said that at some point. But prayer, I believe, is one way communication 
from us to God. And I, when I posted this on Facebook, this question where this comes from, one of my um, seminary classmates who is now an Episcopal priest, he quoted something from 1 Samuel 3. And there, Samuel says, Lord, here is your servant. I am waiting to hear from you. And he said, ah, that is prayer. He is, he is listening for God to speak. That's what he said. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm your servant. I'm listening for you to speak. That's a part of prayer. Well, that's it, right? Well, when you look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, you'll notice that Samuel hears God speak to him. And three times he believes that the priest Eli has actually spoken to him because from Samuel's point of view, it sounds like an audible voice speaking. And he goes to Eli three times and he says, what do you want? (laughs) You know, why did you call me? And Eli says, I didn't call you. This happens three times. Samuel is hearing an audible voice from God. He's not hearing a feeling and intuition or getting a vague sense of something. He's not getting this warm feeling in his heart. He is hearing what sounds to him like an audible voice. And I mean, I would love to be able to hear from God in that kind of voice, right? But even the people who emphasize that prayer is listening, they never tell us that that's the kind of voice that we're going to hear God speak to us in. So I love the attitude that Samuel has. Lord, here I, here's your servant. I, I'm waiting for you to speak. I'm listening to you uh, as you speak. That's a great attitude. And we should apply that scripture to our Bible reading. Because you see, God is speaking God's word to Samuel. Samuel is hearing God's word, which has been written down and included where? In our Bibles. Because the way listening to listening for God, incredibly important. I agree. Listening for God is at least as important as talking to God. It's just that listening to God, the way that we do it is not through prayer. It is through reading the Bible, which is God's word. We have over 750,000 words that God has ensured would be written down for us so that God's children could read it. And we've all had the experience, I hope, where we're facing a problem of some kind. Something's going wrong in our life. And we turn to the Bible and we read it. And we find just what we need, exactly what we need to, 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 to face whatever challenge we, we have. And we say, oh, thank you, God. Yes, I needed to read that verse. I needed to read that chapter. I needed to hear Jesus say those words to me in the Gospels. Whatever it is, God has given us his word as the primary means of speaking. I'm not saying that we won't also receive guidance from God outside of God's word, although usually this guidance will come as we read God's word. But God is sovereign, which means God is in control. So by all means, God is sovereign over our thoughts and feelings, and God may guide us that way. But that itself is not prayer. It's certainly not the kind of prayer that Jesus is giving us as a model.
If prayer is a one-way communication from us to God, then that's, doesn't that just seem pretty easy to do? See, here's the problem, and I'll, I'll move on after this. I don't want to belabor the point, but for those years that I used to be frustrated sitting around waiting for God to say something or to give me some sense of assurance or some warm feeling of his presence, I think what I was waiting for was some kind of sign that God had actually heard me when I prayed. You see what I mean? So it could be that my desire to listen for God to speak to me was really masking a lack of faith. We need to have the faith to believe that when we pray the way Jesus tells us to pray, our Father is actually going to hear us. Yes, that takes faith. But that's, that's what it takes to have a relationship with God. We have to believe that when we pray, God will hear us. And if we pray following the example of Jesus and this model of Jesus, we can be confident that our Father will hear us. Not because of who we are, what we've done, or how holy we are, but because of what Jesus Christ has done to make us God's beloved children, which I preached about last week. Um, Speaking of the Bible, I'll close with this. Um, I want to share with you something that has helped me recently in my prayer life. And this is a verse that comes from Lamentations chapter 2, verse 19. Lamentations is a great little book. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you haven't read it. Um, It's in between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. But Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote Lamentations, and he wrote Lamentations to his fellow Israelites who have watched Israel, Judah, have watched the city of Jerusalem get overrun by their hated enemy, the Babylonians. The Babylonians have conquered the Jews. They have destroyed the temple. They have taken over Jerusalem. And they have taken many Jews into captivity, into exile in Babylon. It is a dark period of time for God's people. And Jeremiah is writing lamentations, lamenting um, during this dark period. And in one uh, verse, he encourages his fellow Israelites to pray, to repent of their sins, but mostly to pray. And he writes these words, arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him. For the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. But I want to focus on pour out your heart like water before the Lord's presence. I find the 19th century English preacher Charles Spurgeon's words on this verse very helpful. He writes, listen to this. We cannot pray too simply. Just hear how Jeremiah put it. Pour out your heart like water. Before the Lord's presence. How does water pour out? The quickest way it can. That's all. It never thinks much about how it runs. Isn't that great? Water never thinks much about how it runs. 
That is the way the Lord loves to have our prayers pour out before him. Pour out your heart like water. Prayer, at least Christian prayer, is always a matter of what's in our hearts. When prayer becomes disconnected from our hearts, guess what? Prayer becomes something that's boring and routine. It becomes an empty ritual. It becomes something that we dread every day instead of looking forward to every day. It becomes drudgery. It's something that we have to check off our list among the many other items on our to-do list every day. That's what happens when prayer becomes disconnected from our heart. Has this happened to you? If so, I plead with you, re-engage your heart. Do what Jeremiah says to do. Pour out your heart like water. Consider this. Each one of you who hears my voice has something on your heart right now that is waiting to be poured out. I'm not saying it's the threat of a ballistic missile attack or the fear of having a heart attack or some other major crisis in your life. But I want you to consider what it is that's on your heart that is weighing you down. And I want you to pour it out to God like water. And you might say, yes, but God, God doesn't want to hear this trivial stuff, this petty stuff, this sinful stuff. To which I say, are you kidding? He already knows all about everything you're going through, everything you're thinking, everything you're feeling better than you do. Don't censor yourself. Like Spurgeon says, water never thinks much about how it runs. So tell God what's on your heart today. What's worrying you today? What's making you feel afraid today? Who or what is angering you today? Why are you hurting? Who or what is causing you pain right now? What temptations are you facing? What sins are you struggling with? What's making you feel guilty? Whatever is in your heart, pour it out like water to God and then ask God for help. Start there. Start with what's on your heart, with what's in your heart. Our Heavenly Father wants to hear from you. Our Heavenly Father wants to hear from you. He wants wants you to pray today more than he wants you to pray correctly, right? By, you know, saying all the right words in just the right sort of way. He wants to hear from you more than that. So before we move any further into this Lord's Prayer, which indeed is a model prayer, it's a way it should guide our prayers. um, We need to hear that. We need to hear that praying is more important than doing it correctly. Will you pour out your heart like water to God today? Almighty God, please make it so. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
If you're on the south side of Atlanta on Sunday morning, I hope you'll consider joining us at Hampton United Methodist Church for worship. We have two worship services. We have a we have an acoustic contemporary service at nine o'clock and a more traditional service at eleven.